position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 170 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Uh, being recorded for you on this uh, Monday, uh, 29th of January, 2018, at 23.44 uh, p.m. Pacific Coast time. That would make it uh, for our sequel friends. Yes, indeed. The only one true date time format, 21... Or, or 20, <laughs> 2018, 29 at uh, 23.44. That would make it like around midnight. It begins to tell around midnight... Crack Engineer, Ivor Molina, over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign, which I approve of. We have a lot of show. Perfect pour! That ought to help. Let's have some of this here whiskey. Mmm. Mmm. Ah, we are out of Chaser. We may... Ivor, you're fired for not bringing me more Chaser. God damn it. How am I supposed to obey? This shit's ponderous, man. It's fucking ponderous.
That's right. Well. So let's get straight to our top stories. We have a lot of shit to cover. Um, I mean, a lot of shit to cover. First of all, our feature this week, for those of you who, as we, you know, start doing this episode, for those of you who find uh, X-Plane 11 and flight simulators and flight simulator equipment completely distasteful, just know, simply, first of all, that I love you. I mean, I really do. Like, I love you and you and all of you and in every way. No, um, <laughs> Jesus. So for those of you who, who are not really into X-11 and flight simulator shit, our feature this week, which will be coming up later on in the show, is non-X-11 development stuff. It's two games from the What I'm Playing uh, occasionally running series here just as I'm always running away from the series here you know, so it fits, it's thematic unity look it up at Ground Poe, anyway so, also in our top stories, and we have a lot of top stories for you before we get to ah, oh, shit man ah, fuck, Ivor, you're fired again Ivor's fucked up the rundown this week before we get to anything, you know immediately related to video games I do have to tell you about my adventures at AVN 2018 this year here in Las Vegas. It was profound. This was actually, it's kind of every year it has a habit of being, last year was horrifying though because last year was the Trump inauguration right in the middle of my coverage and that killed a lot of the pieces that I had written. This year, my pieces were killed by something else. AVM, for those of you who don't know, is the Oscars of porn. It's a four-day-long multi-conglomerate convention covering the adult entertainment industry uh, that culminates in uh, the AVN Awards. Uh, That was this Saturday, which is why we're late. I mean, we're a day later than I thought we would be, only because... I wrapped up my coverage on Friday and I posted to my editors, and this this is what pisses me off. If you are at all um, capable of, you know, kicking out good copy, or, or have any experience with, you know, journalism or entertainment writing on a professional level, do not write for Blasting News. I write for Blasting News to keep my hand in the game, to keep my byline out there, um, in case I want to go back for reals instead of all this other madness that I've been doing these last couple of years. And it also helps to have a good credential for, you know, events like, um, like AVN or whatever, where I can pick up extra, you know, stringer coverage for other outlets that I usually know. This year, because this is like the second year that I've done it for Blasting News, I haven't had any um, and I've been very, very busy this year for the first time in a while. I don't have any other editorial contacts anymore. I got everything this year. I got great art. I got fucking great video. I got PG-13 caliber art. I got PG caliber video. I got fucking insane video. I got, uh, you know, blah, and I kicked out great copy that was Perfect. 
I mean, timely. This story had everything at Underword length. And my editors at Blasting News, who, by the way, were the fuck faces who credentialed me. Why would you credential me if you're going to kill my story? Um, and the whole fucking thing is a rape factory. That's all Blasting News has ever been. And I keep my hand in Blasting News. I used to write for Slant. Before Slant, I used to write for City Life, for IGN. I used to. I used to be, you know, and those were all admittedly video game issues and stuff, but um, it's good to keep your byline out there, especially when you have books. And I have books. So, why would you kill my story if you're the fucking editors who credential me? They read it and they reread it, which is funny because frequently it is it is not an infrequent experience for blasting news to just, like, stare and hold your copy for no reason for innumerable hours. Um, and they have, and when I say rape factory, what do I mean by that? I mean, they just want to bilk copy out of people, which is fine. I'm comfortable with that, that relationship, because it means that I get my byline out there, and it does get read. I mean, they, they do have large readership. Um, there are other places that have larger readership, but then again, they expect you to write a lot more for them, uh, and they generally have non—they generally have exclusivity agreements attached to you know blah 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 blah. So basically, I've used Blasting News over the last few years as, even though it is a rape factory, I've been comfortable with that. I've received zero remuneration. <laughs> well, more or less. That's not true. That's actually that's entirely not true. It has. But anyway, that's not why I use Blasting News um, as my publisher. And what do you look for in a publisher? You look for, one, I want someone who's going to edit my shit. Two, generally my shit requires no fucking editing because, you know, 20 years of doing this, I know how to fucking write. Three, I want the the backing of of a publication which protects me from you know, all sorts of things. Uh, four, I comport myself, even though I am a drunk maniac, um, when, I, when I'm a credentialed, when, when I'm credentialed under your publication, I comport myself not only as a reflection of myself, but as a reflection of that publication, even if it is a rape factory. So what I look for in Blasting News is I just want the fucking byline, especially for AVN, so that I have one piece that's guaranteed placed that, you know, people will read that I can use next year or, you know, at whatever, for whatever reason. A byline I can point to. When Slant News folded, that sucked. When City Life folded about a decade ago, that really sucked because they took down their entire archives. Anyway, so the agreement between me and Blasting News has basically been... I will give you fucking fresh, hot, awesome copy that will be absolutely great copy. I don't really expect, you know, any, you know, uh, remunerative uh, blah. And by the same token, I don't expect you to ever kill any one of my fucking stories provided that it meets your fucking guidelines. Well, they changed their guidelines. I'm not sure when they did this, but anyway, this was a rarity. I got an email from these motherfuckers. Do not write for Blasting News. 
I got an email from these motherfuckers early, 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 or maybe late on Friday, maybe early, early on Saturday. It was a handwritten email from an editor, which was hilarious because I've been convinced that Blasting News has no editors. They sure as fuck don't do anything, and their submission requirements are a pain in the ass. They make you chop up and destroy your story to SEO optimize it and blah 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 they are not interested in the story they never have been but I've been comfortable with that for the byline for the byline it's like you know I'm fucking starting all over again here anyway I got I got this handwritten fucking rejection notice and it was obviously handwritten because it was all lowercase and the punctuation was uh what do you call it uh, erratic at best it was infuriating. They were rejecting my story because of the subject that it covered. So, if you want, you can read right now. And I, I, you know, and it was. This is a timely piece of copy. This has a expiration date on it. This is my general AVN 2018 overview. So it's like, oh, it's a little late now to fucking tell me after you credentialed me, after you know they called you. You credentialed me under your fucking... Oh, it's a little late to tell me that you don't want... that This no longer fits within your editorial purview, etc. It's like, whoa, you guys are assholes. You guys just made me waste four days and to be honest, to cover that much time on the strip, at least $800. You guys just fucking ripped me off. And I wrote them back very cordially. This is 2 o'clock in the morning or 1 o'clock in the morning, something like that. That's when I started to just get fucking drunk. Um, I wrote them back and I'm like, hey, you know, um, I can rewrite this, you know, however you want. They did say that it was excellent. It was an excellently written story. Um, but the fact that it dealt with pornography made them uncomfortable what the fuck do you think my credentials for AVN? What, you think AVN is the International Guarding Festival? No, it's not. It's not a... Ah. So, I ended up having to post this. This is a shameful fucking admission. I ended up having to post my AVN coverage, uh, my general, you know, general piece to my Tumblr page because I couldn't get in with Inquisitor or any other major publication in time. Etc. So if you want to know about all of the insanity, it's headlined The Insanity on the Las Vegas Strip. You can find it at sethbarkin.tumblr.com Uh... Yeah. So, we've survived AVN. I have videos of gimps that look like they escaped from fucking Saints Row 4 being whipped in public. Male gimps in gimp costumes with giant pink fake plastic inflatable tits by nine foot tall Amazonian fucking Betty Page looking corseted mistresses in super hardcore shame and humiliation shit just interstitial for no one in particular literally like there was no one in particular who was there mistress just decided, oh, it's time to fucking take you out and whip you against this wall over here. It's that fucking crazy. And I got great quotes from porn stars, um, including a very revealing and emotional, uh, it was just a horrible way for this year's AVN coverage to end for me. 
um, because they basically fucked me in every way that's possible not AVN, blasting news really pissed me off anyway sorry for the prolonged rant but Jesus Christ it pissed me off um yeah so I'm I, I have ancillary articles that are evergreens that I might be pitching to the Huffington Post or Inquisitor I don't know I have no relationships over there um but I will build one uh, because I'm never writing another piece of copy for Blasting News ever again. I don't give a fuck. I mean, fuck, if I can't get credentials for anything ever, ever, ever again, fuck them. They suck. So remember that. Now, also in our top stories, let's get to all of the X-Plane shit that is in our, that I crammed into our top stories because I'm a lazy son of a bitch and I've been trying to find, uh, this was akin to a publisher resignation like it's not like I was put on assignment for this copy but actually it is kind of implicitly put on assignment for this copy when you credential me I mean they they call like they they ask they talk to an editor anyway so back to the world of video games and if you want to see um a video that I made for Chris Fisher on his birthday uh, happy birthday Chris Fisher from Jupiter Broadcasting um, of the GIMP being whipped actual Windows user uh, we'll post a link to that that'll be our video of the week there you go so that'll that'll have to do alright so in our non-AVN bullshit let's get to the X-Plane bullshit first of all I bought a Thrustmaster T.16000 so 16,000 uh, M FCS hottest flight stick and it is fucking fabulous. It has a throttle that is on rails. Um, the throttle we will talk about this in a later episode, but this is the ultimate six degrees of freedom flight uh hottest flight stick, you know, blah 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 that you could ever want. Throttle and flight stick. The flight stick is fantastic. The throttle is incredible. You actually push the throttle forward, it's on these rails, it's amazing um, and it's amazing how uh, compact and convenient it is, it does come on two different uh, USB um, connections which also makes it eas- more easily mappable across different games uh, it, so far in X-Plane, it is a revelation in X-Plane so I highly recommend that, it's 50 bucks more than the normal, than the old uh, Thrustmaster uh, hottest flight stick. This is the T.16000M FCS hottest flight stick. It's made by Logitech who I guess bought Thrustmaster. I guess. I think. Or no, it's not made by Logitech. I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind here. I'm losing my mind. So, okay. From that point, and you can see video of me using it and you will absolutely notice the difference once you map it out to your controls like in X-Plane 11 or in uh, I haven't gotten to really play it in a 6 degree of freedom type of game there are 5 joysticks on the throttle let me count let me count in my head, there's one There's one dial it's an antenna dial they call it an antenna in some games um, there's a separate joystick you have the, the slider then there are rudder pedals on the throttle this is all on the throttle 
Um, then you have uh, one button, one hat, two um, toggle switches, or two uh, four-directional toggle switches, uh, one button on the left, and then two buttons, I'm doing this from memory, two buttons under your um, your left pinky and the next finger, I guess that's the ring finger, not your middle finger, um, then a switch, up and down switch, then a separate fucking D-pad joystick that is an analog joystick, this is all on the throttle meanwhile the throttle you slide back and forth um, just like a real fucking throttle on like a real aircraft, which is so rad and the resolution on both the stick and the uh, throttle are way better than um, than the old uh, than, than, than my previous uh, Thrustmaster Hada system uh, the one that interlinked also on the flight stick there is there are 12 buttons on the top of the flight stick so if you want 6 degrees of freedom like for hottest if you if you're looking for if you don't play um what do you call it uh shit in-game space cockpit game that I keep, that they keep fucking telling me is coming to Linux but just never comes to Linux online massive multiplayer in-cockpit space combat game uh, what is it called? it's got the worst name ever um, one moment sorry about that, I had to pee uh, yeah Elite Dangerous, that's the name of the game does not run on Linux at all um, at least, not since I last checked, but other Six Degrees of Freedom, let's see if this will install. Nope. Wrong operating system. So, uh, but other than Elite Dangerous, you do have Descent to look forward to. Underground, Descent Underground, which eventually will be coming out for Linux. I hope. I mean, they, they it, when they were in early access, which they shut down, by the way, and they delisted uh, so if you haven't already bought Descent Underground in early access for Linux, um, you won't be able to find it in Steam. But if you... I, I ran it for a minute to see what con- uh, configuring the controllers was like. Um, and it, it worked. Uh, it still worked. So if you already have that, and you've been looking for the perfect controller for that, for, for you know, six degrees of freedom, meaning up, down, yaw, left, right pitch, like up down like a Harrier by the way, forward throttle backward throttle um, and then pitch, forward pitch and uh, you know backwards, you know, so leaning the nose forward, pulling the nose back as well as turning the aircraft left and right it's not an aircraft anymore, you know in descent, it's the six degrees of freedom it's like a Harrier, it's zero G spacecraft which evidently Elite Dangerous also has, which they won't let us play because they're cocksuckers. Um, I will say that without pause or hesitation because they promised us over a year ago that they were coming out with Linux. Um, there's also Overload, um, which is just like Descent. I haven't gotten to play it yet. I played it for eight minutes because I spent some time configuring the controls for it earlier today. But then there's also sublevel zero redux and just go into your Steam client and look for six degrees of freedom. 
and it'll pull up a whole fucking list and then click on the SteamOS and uh, Linux button in the bottom right column of the search results and it'll limit uh, to what's available now. So if you've been looking for the perfect controller for that for that type of game, this is absolutely it. There is no weapon system, no targeting system, no flight simulator that I have ever played from X-Wing all the way through to the present day for which the... There are so many joysticks, so many axes on my throttle. I could probably play uh, X-Wing Alliance exclusively with my left hand, which means that my right hand is free to masturbate. Um, but, you know, that would require X-Wing Alliance coming out for Linux first. Then I will masturbate and I will live stream that for you motherfuckers. I will live stream that. Why anyone would want to see it, I have no idea. I would live stream that. So, also, this last week, I've descended into, outside of AVN, um, the madness of the X-Plane store, which is X-Plane, which is store.xplane, store.xplane, x-plane.org, x-plane.org, store.xplane, dashplane.org um, that has all of the all of the good payware models that you can buy because X-Plane 11 is really new in comparison to when I got X-Plane 10 X-Plane 10 had been out for a year or so already I want to say or maybe 9 months or something like it had been around for a while when, I, when they finally came out with the Linux port mm. so there were lots of really good freeware uh, non-payware models that you could just download that were made by the community. Um, there, my experience so far has not has not been similar in that uh, there have been no helicopters that are excellent. Well, that all changed. I spent uh, let's see, I have, whoa, holy shit! I spent like seventy bucks in the X Plane store. Over this last week, I got a Bell 407, which is one of my favorite helicopters to fly. That's a six-seater. Um, <clears throat> it is a fucking fantastic helicopter. It'll run you about, you know, 30 bucks. Everything basically runs you about 30 bucks in terms of uh, the uh, helicopters. And I got a Robinson. I got an R-22, which used to be my favorite um, short-range helicopter. Like, if I wanted to... That's like a two-seater. It's a little fucking busy bee. The uh, Bell 407, the simulation is unbelievable. Same thing with the R22, but the Bell 407, you can actually fly tourist flights. You can load up on the fuel um, on either one of them. They are incredibly accurate simulations. I also downloaded for 20 bucks, I bought the California and Nevada scenery packs. These are the uh, ultra high definition texture packs. They have not been that impressive, but I'm not entirely sure if they've been officially uh, detected, because there's a way that you stack mesh scenery um, that's like topography. That's actual, like, you know, the geometry of the universe, of the, of the world, of the surface of the world. Or, in this case, just America, because I really just want to fly around America right now. Um, I really want to do my blah. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I'm not sure if it's being detected appropriately because um, I can't really tell a difference 
That was 20 bucks, though. It's 1.9 gigabytes. Uh, but the helicopters, if you like to fly helicopters, go to the, and you want to fly them in X-Plane 11, and you got a good setup and stuff. Holy shit, the Dreamfoil Bell 407. Um, I think it's the yellow one. It's not the green one. Um, and the R20, you can't ever go wrong with the R22. The R22, yeah, it's, it's a dragonfly. Um, but it comes with all both of those aircraft come with a whole additions of uh, customizable things that are custom for that aircraft. You can click on the top right of the control panel, you know, in game, and it opens up a sub menu. And uh, there are some great customization options there that are that allow you to tweak specifically across your controls directly for that aircraft, which is really neat. Um, the R22 is not as good as the Bell 407. The Bell 407 is fantastic. Yeah, just imagine the Sikorsky, but literally literally like uh, I hate the Sikorsky. I hate the Sikorsky. I do not like the Sikorsky, said Sam I am. The Bell 407 is infinitely superior in my opinion, and it is worth, if you want to learn how to fly helicopters, or you like flying helicopters, or, you know, blah, you just want to fuck around with helicopters, go buy one of those models. Um, from the, uh, from store.x-plane. Uh, whatever it was, org or net. You'll, you'll find it. Okay. The scenery pack, though, I'm not that wild on. I know, Ivor, we're gonna go about an hour and a half today. I'm sorry. What the fuck do you want from me? What do you want from me? It's been a busy fucking week. So, up next in our top stories, also related to X-Plane 11, one of the biggest things that is a challenge, uh, that, and this was, this was a challenge in X-Plane 10, but it's been a, there's been a super huge learning curve for me incorporating the Garmin, uh, 430 and, you know, up to the Garmin 1000, etc. The actual GPS navigation units into almost every fucking aircraft that you can have. And so, I forgot, because it's been, you know, over two years since I last played X-Plane, I forgot where I used to do my flight plans at. Um, because you need a separate, uh, generally, it's best if they're online, um, website, or you can do an application. Uh, generally, the applications are for your phone, and they are generally pay applications. And that, you know, because I run Linux, so and I have an iPhone. So it's like, okay, well, great. Um, how am I going to... So can I email this flight plan to me? And they're generally more expensive, and they generally operate on a subscription basis. I did find one that is really good, because I want to fly to arbitrary GPS locations in my helicopters. Meaning, I want to be able to set up a flight plan where I take off from McCarran Airport, KLAS. Um, I want to, you know, ADEP. I want to depart from there. I want to go over the... I want to go beyond Boulder City. I want to see Hoover Dam. I want to fly over Hoover Dam. Then I basically want to take a, you know, circuitous 
route more or less because I don't care about following the Colorado, Colorado River after Hoover Dam I just want to get to the fastest route to getting into the actual Grand Canyon so then I can start doing some stunt flying and then if I'm running out of fuel I want to be able to land at GCN Grand, Cash, Grand Canyon uh, Airport and then refuel because you can do that <laughs> it's really cool I know I'm a fucking dork um, anyway all of this is once you learn the controls for the Garmin um, and stuff it's easy to load a flight plan creating a flight plan however is still really hard harder than AVN harder than Chinese algebra harder <sighs> you get my get my meaning so X flight plan X flight planner Let's make sure that this is... And it'll come up as... Okay. app.xflightplanner.net is a free flight planner that allows you to do... Once you register, it's free. Um, and you don't need to... You know... Uh, there are better features if you subscribe at a pay you know, you can pay by month or pay by year and there are multiple tiers of subscription but uh, the bottom line is the thing that's great about it is it lets you it incorporates Google search and Google GPS and their geolocation services directly into your flight planner so if you want to fly directly to the Grand Canyon from KLAS, from McCarran Airport that is a breeze to set that up it's also a breeze to add a destination. Now, the only unfortunate thing is that it doesn't actually generate .fms uh, compatible flight plans for X11. It They do require some external editing, but with a simple Google search, you can find um, the FMS format for X11, X-Plane 11, uh, and then add those in to the stuff that's already added into your flight plan. Then you can, but for, the coolest thing is that you can save the flight plan to disk from xflightplanner.net. It's app.xflightplanner.net. So that's really cool. Then you load it up in your Garmin 430 and whatever aircraft you want. Um, and uh, away you go. I mean, really, it does take about, it probably took me about three hours of, because uh, I've always just flown VOR. Like, I, I never had, like, this kind of um, capability of of going point to point arbitrarily in space. <laughs> I mean, you know, the surface of the Earth with a GPS that was actually functional that you could key in and navigating the Garmin is actually fairly easy and you can break it out of the window if you have multiple monitors or if you just want to like you you can just break it out from the instrument panel so you can fly along whatever the flight plan is it is really really cool um especially in the Garmin 1000 um <coughs> it, it there is a learning curve for all of the GPS, all the Garmin GPS units that are in X-Plane 11, um, but that's to be expected. 
uh, they all do seamlessly. If the, if it's integrated into the plane, into the aircraft that you're you're flying, whether it be a helicopter or whatever, um, it does seem to integrate directly. You know, with varying degrees of realism, which you, from my understanding, you can change. Um, the Bell four hundred seven and stuff. Bell four hundred seven, the the, the uh, payware models that I got, and the R twenty two. If you want to do some madness, fucking get one of those uh, helicopters and uh, run the pre-flight checklist to start the engines and shit before you take off uh, using their awesome manual that comes with the package. It is fantastic. And it's it's a download only, you know, so it's a PDF with like, you know, 40 slides that explains everything. Um, but if you really want to fly, just uh, you know, don't do that. Uh, there's other other ways around it. Anyway, so finally, in our top stories that are non non X plane, non AVN, and non Linux gaming top stories, I've been looking for a new web browser. I cause I, I yes, I am in sixteen oh four. I know, I know, but it's how I'm talking to you right now. So sixteen oh four pisses me off. Ubuntu 16.04 I hate Unity um, the desktop environment, not the you know, uh, blah but there is something that someone on my Twitter feed mentioned to me that is so cool it's built off of Chrome it's called the Vivaldi web browser uh, for those of you not into classical music <laughs> V-I-V-A-L-D-I it is super fast it has these auto-tabbing options that are light years ahead of Firefox and of Chromium. Like, you can literally turn it into a into a uh, tile-based web browser, if you wish, and you can collapse them all into tabs. So you click on a tab, and you can have, like, 15 tiles automatically open, or anything in between. You can also set up um, a side pane or multiple side panes, or however many you want, or however, however you want to do it, uh, to like display social media feeds, or whatever, or whatever content that you want. So it's not just like a social media side panel; it's a multifunction side panel that is not prescriptive as to what it can do. It is really fast. As soon as I can get it to work with Digo, and as soon as I can. As soon as I'm done actually here, I'm going to be looking at uh, ways of uh, ways of integrating my uh, passwords and shit from Amazon, not from Amazon, from uh, from Chromium into Vivaldi. But Vivaldi is a kick-ass web browser. It's like the next generation of Midori. It's not made by the same people who developed Midori, but it is free and open source runs cross-platform, and uh, is really cool. Of course, Firefox, as Chris Fisher mentioned when I mentioned Vivaldi to him, uh, Firefox now is so much better. Over the last 18 months, it's been amazing. And I met one of their developers, actually, at our local Hackspace about two years ago, I want to say. Um, and the security effort, it's great to support Firefox, it's great to support Mozilla and the Mozilla Foundation. Uh, so go do that, especially after a day like today where, you know, our democracy is crumbling. So there we go. Those are our top stories. Ivor hit them with the features. 
Can you please hit them with the features or I'm going to fire you again? Perfect. Oh my god. It's Bolivian. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. That's right, motherfuckers. Thank you for sticking around, those of you who were, you know, unimpressed by AVN, Flight Stick Hardware, X-Plane 11, etc. I have two games that I've been playing this week that are really good. Um, and these join, you know, in terms of like this week, uh, you've had a lot of actually really excellent options, um, but the two that I've chosen to focus on this week are Iconoclasts. Let's see if we can get some audio of this. Can we get some audio of this, Ivor? I don't know. All right, can this be more silent? So, what is Iconoclast? Iconoclast has a very bizarre hybrid notion of what a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer could be. It is not Metroidvania, even though people, some people have mislabeled it Metroidvania. It's a two-dimensional, side-scrolling role-playing game. It builds itself as, join Renegade Mechanics Robin! Join, excuse me, let's do a retake. Join Renegade Mechanic Robin and uncover the secrets of a dying planet. Explore big worlds filled with intricate puzzles, interesting characters, and menacing bosses in a beautiful platform adventure that tells a personal story about faith, purpose, and the challenge of helping other people. So, it jumped the shark with me before I bought it with, uh, platform adventure... No. First, intricate puzzles. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm not into that. Platform adventure with intricate puzzles? So you're, oh, you're making a legitimate puzzle platformer. Okay, that's gonna suck. Tells a story about faith? What? This is gonna be horrifying. As a non-believer myself, and someone who generally would like to these days am not that open to discussing these matters. Purpose and the challenge of helping people, those lines kind of snag me. An Iconoclast... So, I took a chance, taking a chance on love. Iconoclast, which you can see on our Twitch stream, twitch.tv uh, slash skookiesprite, S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E, or look for it in the show notes or not the show notes, um, the show blurb. See, I'm I'm becoming Chris Fisher. It's just depressing how much I've, I've just become Chris Fisher. If only I could be one-tenth of the Chris Fisher I'd become. Uh, but anyway, you can see a uh, video of Iconoclast by going to our, our Twitch stream 
and looking at our videos, uh, this game is immensely beautiful. It is a second in terms of side-scrolling platformer stuff. Um, it's unfair to compare them, but it is a second only to uh, Freedom Planet, which is, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog-esque, but better. Freedom Planet is going to blow your mind. But Iconoclasts has just the perfect blend of rich, rich, hilarious story that is that moves quickly. It's like this. That's about how fast the story moves. And it has this total illusion of free will with replayability factors. And it does involve a 17-year-old girl, and I was in the midst of AVN when I when I was playing this game. I've only logged two hours or three hours in it. Um, it's 20 bucks, $19.99. It is a perfect, a near-perfect combination of adventure, story, puzzle, platformer. That does not sound right, because I hate puzzle games. And I especially hate them when they get involved in my platformer games. But the puzzles become invisible. Which is you know, they're indistinguishable from the actual platforming action. Huge variety of enemies. Unbelievable polish. I mean, unbelievable polish in Iconoclast. It is... It is really something to behold. Um, in terms of an independent game, uh, blah, it was released January 23rd, 2018. Uh, so only... Uh, seven days ago, as of now. Uh, yeah, I got 2.6 hours played in it. But, uh, so I was just, I was balls deep into AVN. Let's continue with the, the horrible sexual innuendo here. You take on the role of Robin. A seven, super hot 17-year-old girl, which is weird, because that was kind of how everything felt at AVN. I'm like, I'm getting old, or they're all getting younger. Either way, this is so weird. That's kind of how it felt. Um, but you take on the role of the 17-year-old girl in this uh, universe where she's a mechanic. And uh, she's an orphan. And uh, you take on the role of a 17-year-old girl who is unbelievably good. She's a subversive heretic, by the way. Unbelievably good at uh, nut-twisting. Twisting nuts. And uh, both uh, mentally, figuratively, and literally, oh, especially literally, she twists the nuts off of uh, many things. Uh, mostly mechanical things. In her quest to just live her fucking life under this totalitarian, religi religiously oriented, um, very Torquemada, very much inquisitional, uh, far-flung futuristic... Uh, regime. It is very funny. It will surprise you at every turn. She is unbelievably fun to control. Um, there are role-playing game elements to it in terms of like upgrading, you know, like capturing resources and stuff and upgrading your shit. But it's really all just in the service of the story. And the story is really good. Um, as far as I've gone, I think I'm 
uh, about 18, 19% of the way, I'm sure that many, many horrifying things await, plot twists, turns, etc. The game uses everything. Um, every capability of animation, you know, in terms of sprite animation, level design, puzzle design, narrative techniques, um, it flashes uh, It, it gives you these great dialogue sequences that are um, interactive in-game, uh, more or less interactive. They, some, you know, they'll have, like, you know, binary or ternary choice. Um, and the story is fantastic. Because it is illegal for you to... It, it reminds me very much of the present day, present fucking moment right now, here, now, today where it's a war on technical literacy uh, a war to control who can actually manipulate the fundaments of basic technology and that's what Robin's really good at that's what her dad was really good at and her dad taught her a lot of stuff and so she has a wrench and so she's a heretic and it's awesome uh, and you'll see just check out the art style um It's fantastic, and the gameplay is varied. There are some puzzles that are incredibly irritating, but the game basically had me sold when they said, uh, 20 plus gear grinding, screen filling bosses, boss battles stand in your way. I've gone through, like, five of them, I want to say, and they're pretty fun. Uh, and like I said, she's fun to control and play as. Robin is. Um... So yeah, get on the nut-twisting action. Get down on it. Uh, it's $19.99. Uh, and it brings together aspects of games that not many gamers generally enjoy. It's like, you know, the security pyramid. You know, like you have ease of use, you know, actual security, and then ease of maintenance or whatever. Um, you have to find, like, a careful balance between those three. Well, it brings together, like, RPG elements, storytelling elements, side-scrolling platformer elements that are very Metroidvania, which is a term that I keep saying that I'm never going to use again on this show, but fuck, it's been three years. And then it also brings into it these puzzle elements that are it's generally a misnomer to say puzzle platformer these days even though it's a nice marketing buzzword, what they really mean is Metroid-esque puzzles like where, okay, well I have to get jump boots and lock doors and etc but in this game it's more puzzling but they are so in line with the actual everything that you're doing and the story is so compelling that it brings together all three aspects and the graphics and the controls are fantastic and Robin is fun to play as and um, you'll like it. Uh, maybe. If you're into two-dimensional side-scrolling platformers, you will like it. So that is our one of two. And then Yes, Ivor, I know we are ahead of schedule. 
Up next in our feature of non-X-Plain, non-AVN, actual video game discussion content. Oh my god. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's have some whiskey here. I was holding up the whiskey sign. Up next, hopefully I'll be able to just talk about this for a little while. Because I get I get a scared. I get a feared thinking about this game. The name of the game is Darkwood. D-A-R-K-W-O-O-D. Darkwood came out... I know. Anyone who's listening to this podcast knows and understands. I hate scary games. I mean, when I say I hate them, I don't play them. I don't like them. They scare me. They make me afraid. They fill me with fear. They scare me, and they scare me, and they fear me, and they make me afraid. And they scare the shit out of me. And I can't ever sleep again. And I, I start I start tasting metal, and it hurts. And it, I get all scared. And it, I just don't want to I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to play this scary game. I don't want to play it. Well, I got sucked into Darkwood. And this is fucked. So... Darkwood, by any... St- I've only played, like, a hundred and... i played 1.8 hours of Darkwood. It's an older game. came out August 17, 2017. This is a masterwork of storytelling. Now, if you don't want to... I'm... Spoiler alert here. I am only under two hours into the video game. I cannot destroy this video game for you. Okay? I can... But I have to tell you some aspects of this game from the first two hours, and I will. And I'm not going to hesitate. Okay? So if you want to... If you're into survival horror games, this is not just... Okay, so what is Darkwood? But This is spoiler-free. Darkwood is a top-down, two-dimensional, just like the very first original postal game, um, extremely realistic survival crafting uh, quote unquote pseudo zombie survival horror game with uh, did I mention extreme realism uh, and absolute abject terror This means that whoever, whatever you're doing, well, okay. Here are the spoilers. I got sucked in by the prologue. I accidentally played the prologue. I was drunk. I was high. I was stoned. I was not paying attention to what I was doing. I've owned the game for a while. Um, here is... 
not what happens, but here is what the game is about. It is post-apocalyptic in the sense it has a great premise, has a fantastic premise, which seems stupid on the surface. And I think that that might be why many people, why this game is not the raving, fucking, unbelievable, uh, following already because as an independently developed game who developed this you motherfuckers acid wizard studio the world has ended now I'm not the radio that you discover early on the character that you're playing as tells you that it hasn't worked for at least five years you haven't been able to pick up anything for the second time ever in the hit, well, I guess the third time, maybe. One moment. So here's the premise The world has ended. It's all over. Like I said, five to eight years ago, the world has ended. How has the world ended? Why? Why does no one communicate? been five years since the radio has picked up a voice why the premise sounds stupid at first but this is the slow roll of the terror that is Darkwood the problem has been that the woods have expanded. The woods keep growing. The woods grow. The woods will not stop growing. And where the woods grow, they have choked off all roads. They have overtaken cities, towns, villages, cabins, everything in their path. The ro- the woods have grown it is beyond out of control and now they've strangled off modern society it is post-apocalyptic in that sense now I guess we can do this fairly spoiler free no spoilers here. Well, I guess everything is... Sp- For me, I hate playing anything or seeing any movie after reading any little bit of any part of the story. I want to go experience it myself. I want to see how I react to it myself. I want to see what it feels like myself. You're right, Ivor. More whiskey. Mm. These narrative tidbits as to what the fuck is happening. This is a spoiler alert, I guess. If, you know, you care about the prologue. Which is like 30 minutes. These narrative tidbits are communicated to you exclusively via the realm of your character you're currently 
you don't get to select different characters, at least not that I can see. But the prologue elegantly sets up. This is a spoiler alert. Here you go. In the prologue, you take on the role of a guy. He is a mad scientist, a mad doctor, a combination of both, maybe neither. He is intent on fighting what the fuck. He has a cabin. It's like something straight out of MST3K. But he has a cabin. And, uh... Mm. In this cabin are two locked doors and etc. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the, thing, the thing about it is the narrative style, the way this game shows but does not tell, which is like, you know, always the literary fiction fucking hallmark, which is a rule that is so easily broken and not without good reason. Lots of times there have been great novelists, especially over the last 12 years, who have told while showing... It's a, it's a cliche. It's, it's, it's a meaningless cliche. And especially in the world of video games, in the medium of video games, like, when you click on the radio, and as, you know, when, when you're in the prologue, and you're playing as this guy, who you don't know, it doesn't tell you, you are this guy. No, it does not fucking tell you that. You're just this guy. And this is evidently where you live. when you click on the radio, it's like, oh yeah, no, this I haven't been able to pick up, and there's like this great background of all of these, like, you know, frequency um channel, all these channels that, you know, blah blah blah, and they're all, like, X'd out and some of them are circled, and, you know, they, they blah blah blah, all these notes and stuff and you explore the house further and this is like, this takes, you know 20 minutes you explore the house further and you find like my surgical tools and you find um, these two rooms that are locked with metal doors and one of them you click on and says I, I, I don't think I want to go in there now I spent too much time locking him in there it's a real slow roll to the really scary. So, we're outside of spoiler alerts now. I'm going to tell you a couple of things about the basic gravity of Darkwood. So the woods have been expanding. And they've evidently been expanding voraciously for years and years and years. That would be okay, right? Because everyone likes, you know, trees and woods and stuff. <laughs> Where the wherever the woods go, and this is just my two hours into the game. They bring the evil. The evil is not named. The evil is not characterized. The evil will not be televised at all. 
The evil comes in three flavors. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. See, I don't even like talking about this. It's it's very nerve-wracking. I got sucked into the game by playing the prologue. The evil comes in three flavors. It comes, first of all, and primarily It depends, though. It depends. The evil comes... Well, let's let's nix the primarily because it, it just depends. The evil comes as a force. A slow... Literally, I'm not just reusing the word slow. Comes as a slow rumble. Like... that eventually begins to shake the screen I've never stuck around long enough to see what that portends the second actual manifestation by the way uh, Dr. Dr. Molina will you please click on the tape recorder to characterize the evil Yes, thank you. 2018, 01, 30. Oh, 100 hours. To characterize the evil, there is the slow, roiling, static shaking. But then there are two other characterizations of the evil, physical manifestations of it that I have experienced so far. The second are the things. The things are like shadow people. Shrugs. Enter that into the record, Dr. Molina. They're like shadow people. They peel themselves from the walls and from the corners of non-illuminated spaces and they are extraordinarily malevolent uh, and capable of physically killing you. At night, see further record later on. Dr. Molina, make a note. Footnote, night. Footnote, night. At night, well, the third is the weirdest and the most disturbing. There's a disease component to the evil of the woods it twists it doesn't it's difficult to say with any certainty but it does result in psychotic breaks with reality for reasons and with 
implications that I do not understand. Um, diseased individuals, as Dr. Molina will attest, after I eat him, uh, will attest the day they affect they affect even anyone who's been in the woods for too long. Anyone who's been exposed. Who knows why? Who knows how? I've been experiencing hallucinations lately. I no longer need to eat. If it were not for Dr. Molina here. Oh my God, Dr. Molina! <laughs> so that is. that. Okay, so back to spoiler alert time. Because I got 10 more minutes to talk to you about Darkwood. This is spoiler alert seriousness. Um, so while you're playing as this mad doctor, he's not necessarily mad. It's just the things that he he's doing are kind of morally questionable, but you don't understand anything that's happening. And this is how the game exposes itself to you. And the moon rises up, pointing like a fingernail. As Sylvie Lewis would say, she falls onto the bed, opens like a book, and he looks at the pictures. He reads her like scripture. He reads her like Braille. That is exactly the tone of Darkwood, except it is fucking terrifying. And it's a slow roll to terrifying. It's a very patient, oh man, I wish I were live streaming right now, because I'm doing a projectionist little filmography. I got the fucking reel right here and I'm just reeling it out like an organ grinder. And that is how the game unfolds. So one day, well actually in the prologue, this is still spoiler alert material. You're out there, you're out in front of your cabin and stuff which has fortified windows and all sorts of stuff and a generator um, etc, etc, etc you're out there and you find a living guy and you you take him you throw him over your shoulder in a fireman's carry you take him back to your home and of course you tie him to a chair and you beat the living shit out of him where is it? I know you know! I know you know how to get out of here! Where is the exit? And you beat him so severely that you break the chair. Enabling him eventually after you... This isn't a cinema sequence, but it's all in-game cinema. After you loot his inventory rip out pages from his journal and take his key. So you wake up and it turns out that you are the guy that this guy has just tortured. Where is it? What does this key mean? 21. Hmm. Where is the way out? And you have to reason your way through 
awesomeness. I mean, it's really cool. You make lock picks and stuff, and you puzzle your way through. This is not puzzle your way. This is just straight up survival crafting stuff. This is like the introduction to, oh, well, how are you going to craft? Well, here's how the crafting menu works. This game does not tell you things like that, though. Beyond the prologue, it tells you nothing. Eventually, because you can't get out of the house and because it is night. We'll talk about night in a moment. You open the really, really heavy metal door. And in that blackness, in that darkness when I'm blind with what I can't forgive, (laughs) in that darkness in the room beyond, in Fallout 2 textile, meaning that like dialogue that you're not immediately engaged with a character in having appears just directly as text, great easily readable text above whoever is saying it. It says something like, oh, thank God, help me. You know, blah. This is after you get the code for the room from a guy who is turning into roots in the floor and he disappears and he doesn't disappear in front of you. He, you go back to like ask him a question and he is not there anymore. You're not even sure what he is. You don't even have a chance to look at him. And that's all in-game as you controlling our fearless hero. So you go into this room and help, I'm hurt. And it's further dark. It's in the further darkness of the room. And it's really dark. When night comes in dark wood, it gets really dark. And so you venture further. Do they dare? Bernstein Bears? Do they dare? Oh, yes, they dared. You have no choice. The voice says, I know you want to find a way out. Help me. I need to find a way out, too. And so you're about halfway into the room. It says, Come closer. I'm right here. And then it attacks you. (laughs) And then the shadow people descend. And then you wake up someplace else. And then the game begins. And that's day one. So the ultimate uh, gravity of Darkwood, which I have never survived a night yet, through without having um, an intervention from, uh, what do you call it, a narrative sequence. Darkwood. Ideally, you have, you're holed up by night. By the time night falls. In some place. Like a cabin. An abandoned cabin. A shack anything, any fucking thing. Ideally, it has a generator. Ideally, it has a food source, a warm source. Ideally, it has many lights, interior lights, electric or otherwise. Ideally, you have many lights. Ideally, you have enough fuel to run the generator by the time night falls. Um, If you are out in the woods at night, you will fucking die. You will die in ways that you... Anyway, um, so it is... You have to barricade the windows. You have to block all the doors. Any furniture you have, you have to move. You have to move it by night. You have limited inventory. You have limited carry capacity. Um, 
at least in my game, I started out after the prologue once I realized that I was this guy and motherfucking scientist stole my key. That's where I am. And he ripped out pages from my journal. And it is a terrifying game. So that's Darkwood. Oh yeah, so what happens at night? Nothing good. There are daytime hazards to wandering in the woods as well. But uh the narrative structure of the game, the way the game informs you, the player, as to what is happening, is beyond masterful. And the premise, which seems stupid initially, becomes really claustrophobic. In a Once you know it at all, what the evil is capable of. It, they don't call it the evil. I call it the evil. That's my only word for it. I refuse to Google this game. And the funniest thing about Darkwood... is the way it lets you solve problems. It's a survi- it's not a survival horror game. It is a crafting survival game first and then a horror game. Uh the horror though it comes. It comes every night. It also has a persistent story to it that is really amazing. It builds itself as Darkwood, a new perspective on survival horror. Scavenge and explore rich, ever-changing, free-roam world by day. Then hunker down in your hideout and pray for the morning light. That's pretty accurate. I didn't discover the fact that I had a fucking journal until right before my first night. It doesn't tell you anything it's sh- the, 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 the load screen says something like you are in an unforgiving fucking game that is not going to hold your hand, respect the woods be patient and focus something like that so I just want to ask you Ring, 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 ring. I just want to ask you, what do you see at night when the demons come? And reading your journal uh, actually tells you some things about yourself and about the things you've seen and about the significance of the things that you've seen. And there are daylight enemies too. Everyone is dead. And it reminds me of one of my favorite poems. But only in the inverse. My friend Scotulism actually hypothesized that the premise of the game is the inverse of humanity's actual real-life current effect on the face of the planet. Because the woods keep growing 
evidently. So, for the third time ever, I will read to you a short excerpt of one of my favorite poems. Not by me, but by Alfred Lord Tennyson. This is probably the only Alfred Lord Tennyson poem that I really love. Tithonus has nothing to do with Tithonus. At least I don't think so. We'll see as I I'm addicted to this fucking game because I need to know what happens, but it is terrifying. And it's it's night right now. I don't know what's going to happen. It's so dark at night. There are horrible things. I just don't want to die. I don't want to be scared. Tithonus by Alfred Lord Tennyson. The woods decay. The woods decay and fall. The vapors weep their burthen to the ground. Man comes and tills the field and lies beneath. And after many a summer dies the swan. So there you go. That ought to hold you till probably be Friday or uh, Saturday before you hear from the likes of me again. We covered Iconoclast, which is the non-scary game. But Darkwood, which is, I mean, two hours in, it's a masterwork. It's not a review, it's just a feature. Come closer. I'm over here, help me. (laughs) And then we talked about the Thrustmaster T.16000M FCS Hottest flight stick and throttle and uh, the Bell 407 and uh, the R22 available from store.x-plane.org uh, I'm pretty sure and xflightplanner.net and also AVN and we will link to the video in the show blurb across all mediums of uh, an actual Windows user. Cheers, thanks for listening. Um, Be sure to check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash skookiesprite S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E There we go, let's call it a wrap. 1.30 in the morning. Hey, we're exactly on time. And remember, kids, Fuck you, Blasting News, but the internet, what's it for? The internet is for poor. The internet is for poor. What are you doing? Hey, I think this is porn. Porn, porn, porn. A good idea. Tracky. Oh, hello, Kid Monster. You are ruining my song. Oh, me sorry. Me no mean to. Well, if you wouldn't mind, please, being quiet for a minute so I can finish. Okie dokie. Good. I'm glad we have this new technology. For porn. Don't keep fucking saying that to me! For porn. Oh, sorry. From your own desktop. For. You can research, browse, and shop. Until you've had enough and you're ready to stop. It is I, E.B. Farm. Internet is for porn. The internet is for porn. A good idea. Hugging me. Horn to porn. 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 That's gross. That is a fact. Pervert.
I like you. I'll get you a drink. Oh, really? You're a pervert. Normal people don't sit at home and look at porn on the internet. Oh? What? You have no idea. Ready, normal people? Good evening, pricks! Internet is horrible. Sorry, Kate. Internet is horrible. I masturbate. All these guys unzip their flies for porn, porn. The internet is not for porn! Flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. A good idea. Internet is for porn. I hate porn. Grab your dick and double click for porn. 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 I hate men. Porn. I'm leaving. Porn. I hate the internet. Porn. The internet is for internet is for internet is for porn. Yeah. And wipe your hands. If I see a smudge, I will have you destroyed. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. This is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.